her wedding, and um, it didn't set right with me as a Christian. And I, I love my sister, but I was struggling deeply with uh, the whole idea of celebrating marriage because to me, marriage is between a man and a woman. I know biblically, um, it took a while. I prayed about it. I met with Pastor Tim, and I ultimately made the decision that we were not going to go. And I, I wrote my sister a letter, uh, told her how much I love her, and that I did desire for her to be happy, but I explained my stance as a Christian, and um, we did not go to the wedding. At, at first, of course, she was hurt and she was upset, but since then, um, she knows my heart, and she knows I love her, and we have been able to get past this, and we do have a good relationship now, but I had to make that hard decision, but it was not really hard for me. It was hard because I knew it was going to hurt her, and yeah. I didn't want to do that, but I knew ultimately what I wanted to do for Jesus, yeah. so... Yeah, amen, yeah. amen. How many of you consider marriage a sacred act? So a homosexual marriage is something very difficult to participate in. Typically, we, we you know, those invited coming to a wedding ceremony are friends and family who stand with the couple in support, in witness. So attending the wedding, just your being there is blessing or accepting the life. Yeah, well said, I, it is. You know, it's like you're kind of putting your signature down there and, and but the big thing is, is that we go to a, a, a gay wedding and one of the things that we do as attendees at the ceremony is we are there to stand with, support, and bless the union. Yeah. Why would a gay couple invite someone to their wedding? To validate it. Support. To validate it, yeah. Like I said earlier, I've had so many friends. I used to be part of this thing called No Hate, which was pro-gay, lesbian, pro-LGBTQ, whatever it is. Um, and it's harder, it's getting easier now that I've separated myself from a lot of these people. But a lot of my friends see the world as like, I just want to be accepted, I just want to be loved, people hate me, I need acceptance, I need love. So that's a big thing to take into mind with this thing is that we can offer them acceptance and love, but just not accept what they do. Right, exactly, well said. Do you, I think that there's uh, some level of prejudice against Christians saying that we hate homosexuals and that we're not loving and kind. Obviously there are some people like that. Was that Baptist church that, yeah, Westboro Baptist church. I mean, just really. Uh, hard, but um, so we get the we get the uh, the statement that we're haters and uh, you know really mean, and they just want to be accepted. And uh, Christians uh, understand that we accept every human being as made in the image of God, and that we are to respect all people. But at the same time, being very loving, knowing what the end result of, of sin will do, we, in a loving manner, have to let them know that Jesus died for their sins and that they need to be aware of that. 
And now that is the issue that they may not like. I have also had dealings with, you know, people who are living uh, that type of lifestyle. Um, uh, nieces, you know. Um, I had a, a really good friend, you know. I played softball for many years and I met a young lady who um, was that way. And what I noticed too about um, the lifestyle is that a lot of times there's like a deep uh, pain or trauma that has happened in their life, you know, uh, that makes them feel unloved and they venture off into that. And with this young lady, um, <clears throat> I never felt the need to beat her over the head, but like you said, I, I treated her with love and kindness. And although I knew she was that way, she never said it. And then one day she said, you know, I really, I started actually taking her to church with me. And um, we actually became best friends. And so um, I would pray for her whenever she asked for prayer or whatever. And then one day she said to me, I need to tell you something. I said, you don't have to tell me, I already know what it is. And she said, what? And I told her, you know, that uh, you're gay. And she said, yes, you know. And so I just continued to uh, show love, and um, but I still continue to stand firm with love and the word of yeah. God. And so, um, make a long story short, we eventually stopped hanging around each other because when I would go over to her house, it would be a you know house full. So I knew I had to um, kind of draw the line there. And um, but <clears throat> years later, I continue to pray for her. Years later, she called me. She said, "Guess what?" I said, "What?" She said. I'm truly saved and I've given up that lifestyle. And she said, <laughs> I have you to thank that. <laughs> I, I have you to thank that for, thank, thank for that. And I said, for what? And she said, because you never judged me. You know, she said, you kept loving me. You never treated me any differently. You kept praying for me. And every time I needed to talk to you, you still talked to me. And she said, and because of that, that let me see the love of God. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. You made the statement about drawing a line. And I had a question. Someone couldn't be here tonight. They wanted me to ask this question. And it's the same as the rest of us story of having a good friend that is gay, homosexual. And uh, they uh, are proud of it and want the Christian friend to uh, accept it. And they, this homosexual friend considers themselves a Christian. And so the Christian asks, how involved should I be in their life? Uh, when my kids were very young, she would invite us over to a gathering and I didn't feel comfortable to take my kids. Was that wrong? I would make the same decision not to hang out with people who were getting drunk or high. Um, I would make the same decision there. So the question they ask is, how does this scripture apply? This is 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Paul says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you would need to go out to the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? 
Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Pretty heavy, isn't it? And so they say, how should I handle this situation? So what do you think that verse says? The verse says, I think in, in, in a sense, if, if we're going to judge homosexuals, swindlers, liars that are unsaved, we're never going to reach anybody. We'd be isolated, wouldn't we? So we're supposed to go out and not judge them, but win them to Christ, share the love of Christ, care for them, and be patient with them, and, and let them know what Christ can do for them. But Paul's pretty strict on the one who says, I'm a Christian, but claiming as their sanctified life in Christ to continue in sin. He says we're not supposed to have anything to do with them. What do you think of that? Wow. Anybody got any comments? Yeah. I was just going to say when uh, David committed his sin in Bathsheba and God through the prophet Nathan chooses for a remnant, um, he goes into a lit, uh, litany of things. One, to the extent you killed him with an Amorite sword and you, um, you, um, you, you sinned against him. It was, it, was such a, it was such a gross sin what he had done to Uriah the Hittite. Um, that he, he defamed, he defiled God's name. He, he, he caused the nations to blaspheme God. Mm. It, it became such an issue. David was God's man. And yeah. he took something so precious, that um, representation, and he trashed it in the moment. So I think that's what he's saying to the church. If you're going to claim me, if you are going to claim me, walk in a way that shows that you claim me. That, that, I think, is what he is saying. Because the destruction, the damage. You know, we talk about judging. Judging and judging harshly are two different things. And we all know that. We're, we've learned that in the course of the last year. So that's it. Okay, that's an interesting point. I mean, you know, we always say, take not the Lord's name in vain. So to call yourself a Christian and behave not like a Christian is taking the Lord's name in vain. But Paul, and Paul did say, you're to judge those in the church call out that sin, right? So we talked about this last week, but when we judge in the church, then everybody says the church is unloving and, and, and made me cry and I'll never go back to that church because they judged me. How do we have it both ways? Isn't it interesting? But we're supposed to do it all in love and, and caring. Tina, what do you got? Well, I had a thought about, you know, the difference kind of between taking your kids over to a drunken party where they're literally sitting there getting drunk in front of everybody, but to take them in the presence of someone who's homosexual, you know, they're not going to sit there and make out probably in front of everybody. They're probably not going to start having, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen that. Depends on what kind of party it is, I guess. Well, I mean, your, your kids are invited. Maybe it's a family gathering, it's, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever. It's a family gathering, I, I guess, if you're going to take your kids to it. I mean, Which is a great point. Let in me... front of them. They're not, yeah, I don't think it's harm. Let me ask the question, what is the one right answer to that? Is there a one right answer? You're going to have to have your personal conviction as to what to do in that situation. Thanks. Now, I was just going to say, if uh, 
one of the things that comes to mind, knowing if you're compromised. That, that is the key. You, you know within you when you're in a situation where you're vulnerable or you're compromised. We're all flesh and blood, and we're all sinners, and that can happen to anybody. It's, it's knowing your, your own darkness, embracing it and saying, I'm laying it down, I'm staying away from that. You have no business. We know where we need to be and not be. Paul used the example of eating meat sacrificed to idols, didn't he? He, he said there's nothing wrong with eating meat sacrificed to idols because the idols are just pieces of wood carved out. But if you eat it with someone who came out of idolatry, you're making that person stumble. So it's not just our own personal testimony, but for our children, what's the best for their sake and for our neighbors? Hey, we, we were talking about, um, you know, judging the Christian that is continuing to sin. But um, what I was going to ask is, you know, what about the person that is trying not to do that? Yes. You know, they're trying to come out of sin, but they keep falling back into it. I think that's the difference. You know, someone, someone who's willfully saying just accept it, it is what it is, versus someone who's trying to come out of that kind of lifestyle, whether it be addiction or homosexuality or whatever. Right. Thank you for qualifying that. I think that's exactly right. Because, uh, as you said, we're all struggling with some stronghold in our lives. And the last thing we need is someone standing over our shoulder bashing us continually. So the point would be to someone who is saying I'm a Christian and flaunting their sin. That happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul said, you need to get this brother who's sleeping with his stepmom out of the church because you're boasting about it. Turn him over to Satan. Woo. Okay, so there is supposed to be purity in the church, but there's supposed to be love too. We're back to that balance. Uh, we're back to that two-edged sword. We need to learn how to use it. Okay, uh, my problem is, so, so I have a family member, and we keep saying, you have to keep loving him, love him through it, love him through it. Okay, but, but I can just share my heart is, I keep asking myself, am I loving them to hell? Right. Because I'm not, because, because my pastor clearly taught me that you, as a Christian, you stand on the word of God. So, every, and, and I can only be honest, every time I'm around this person, I just want to cry out. I want to grab them and hug them and say, the word of God says. And, and it, it, it's eating me inside because I don't want them to, I don't want them. The Bible clearly says no homosexual will ever enter the kingdom of God. It hurts me. So I'm torn between do I just sit back and love them and not say anything? Or do I say something and offend them and then they say, oh, you know, now that person doesn't love me because they're a Christian and then they're harsh and I'm, I'm torn. I need, I need help. That's good. I appreciate your honesty. You know, pray to the Holy Spirit for the time and, and really have a, try to have a breakthrough moment. Yeah. And, and in the Lord's timing, He makes those happen. My brother has been gay for a long time. And I mean, I used to work with him. I did a lot of stuff with him. Now I don't see him too often, but I talk to him. 
He knows I love him, you know, the whole shot. His, the partner that he has now has been going through some medical things and ended up in the hospital. In, I mean, they had him induced into a coma, everything else. When he came out, my sister happened to be there and she was talking to the chaplain at the hospital and they were talking, you know, saying thank you for praying for him and everything else. Well, my brother shows up and he tells my brother, I want to go back to church. Wow. And my brother said, anything you want, I will take you. Wow. And my brother is a sworn atheist. Wow. So. Never know what God can do, right? Amen. Amen. So I've been praying for a long time. All right, we got... Uh, hi, Pastor. Um, we have trouble with uh, dealing with this situation. Um, I'm a little upset with um, gay people. They couldn't just, well, you know, it's a sin, and they couldn't just let it be alone, and they had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and that, that upsets me because just... And it's a sexual thing they're doing, and it's like a nationality for them. But my, my question to you is, if a, gay, if a gay couple came in to church, very obvious they are, how would you handle it? And then other more and more kept coming in, how would you handle that situation? Because it's rough for us, too. Yeah. So you bring up a couple good points. Okay, here's a good couple good points. You said that it's almost like a nationality to them. It's an identity issue. Uh -huh. And again, we have to separate the difference between the political movement that is uh, shoving it down everyone's throat as opposed to the individual people. Yeah. And so, uh, of course, we should be angry, but sin not, as James says. So I can be angry that in a nation that's supposed to have free speech, they might come and arrest me for speaking my freedom of speech concerning this issue. So that's at a level of, on the political, social level, uh, where they're militant, I have to speak loud and hard as to what the Word of God says. On the individual level, I'm speaking with compassion and ministry trying to reach the person. What do I do if gay couples come into this church? They've come uh, many times. We have many uh, people who are struggling with homosexuality here and people who have been delivered and set free. We have a tremendous uh, ministry for sexual brokenness called Reconciliation Ministries to where we're helping people get set free from homosexuality and all other aspects. Now, what do I do if someone says I'm homosexual, struggling with it? I help them get victory over it. If they're not practicing that sin and want to get free, we're going to help them. Just as I would an adulterer or someone that is pornographic uh, addicted or someone who's taking drugs. We work with them. And I would not be surprised if we get many more uh, homosexual folks coming in because they're going to want to get set free. Now, to become baptized or to become a member of this church, you have to say that you are no longer pursuing sin. Yes. 
that you're living a life towards godliness. Those are our checkpoints, if you will. So when someone wants to get baptized, we talk to them about, are you in a place of living in sin? Yes. Well, then we need to get that right before you're going to commit yourself in baptism to uh, walk with Christ and be willing to give that up. Now, they may want to and fall back into it. It's the desire of their heart. So, you know, we don't have to have them perform perfectly because all of us would fail too, wouldn't we? So, but then in membership, I'm losing my voice. I've had a number of times where in membership where we're meeting with people, uh, I had a couple sitting there and come to find out that they were dating and, and together, but the guy was married to somebody else. And it was like, well, we, let's back up a little bit. You know. Now, I have the same problem with young couples who are living together or sleeping together, have children, and they're not married. How is that any different than someone who is gay or wants to come in? We work with them right at that point and say, you're out, you're out of order. Let's get things in order to Christ. And remember, most of the time, these people are babes in Christ, so we're working with them. We'll never compromise the Word of God, and we'll work with people to get them walking correctly with Jesus.